But uh, today I got a special message for us today. I kind of pondered on this last night as a as I uh, uh, went through the, the the Word of God and uh, all through last week, and uh, God's working in my heart. To, I want to bring us a message that would inspire you. Uh, at the same time, um, kind of let us know what our position is as Christians here on earth. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of churches nowadays have gotten this, uh, sensitivity and it's not a good sensitivity. It's a bad sensitivity where they, where they go along with things, the things of the times, all this is a different era. I've had people all my life tell me I was a Christian because of what my parents did in my upbringing, not because of what God or what Jesus did, but because of what my parents did. All my life, I said, oh, you're, you're a Christian, but you can't force that belief on me because, see, that's the way you were brought up. You are just brought up to believe that you know, Jesus is Jesus and God is God and he's creator of all the heavens and earth. And you believe that way because your parents and grandparents taught you that. Well, in part, part of that's correct. They did teach me. But whether or not my parents taught me or that or not, God's word was preached to me. It wasn't preached to me from my parents. And I heard with God's word and it became conviction in my heart. And I trusted him through God's word, called upon Jesus to save my motley soul, okay? And at eight years old, I knew I was full of sin. At eight years old, folks. I knew I was full of sin. I knew that any time Satan can, can make me want to kill my neighbor at any time. And I knew that the sinful nature in me, a very selfish nature in me, was placed there by the seed of Satan. And I had to have God's son, Jesus Christ, to cleanse me from all unrighteousness, even at that time. I needed him in my life. Or it was going to just get worse and worse. So at that time, God knocked at my heart's door at eight years old. I accepted Jesus as Savior. Now, I would love to tell you that Satan never bothered me again. But he bothered me worse and more often. Because I then became a light by God to convince other people, persuade them to trust Jesus. Don't you just hate it? When you tell people something they don't believe, don't you hate that? You tell people with God, honest truth, and they don't believe you. And you cannot make them believe you. You just want to get them in the headlock and let me adjust this a little bit and tell you again, why have you in this headlock? This is the total and inerrant word of God I'm preaching you. It doesn't come from me. It's coming from God. But don't you believe that Jesus loves you? And, the person, and I have people say anything from what Jesus says, he better save himself. After I lynch his wrath out on him. You know, and... And you want to take, well, I won't get too graphic, but it's like I told, it's like my pastor old brother Gene at Mims Church, Baptist Church said, this kid wore his hat sideways on his head and sat on the back row. And Brother Gene just, just came to Mims about 20 years ago. This came to Mims and Brother Gene said, I didn't know if I, the Lord told me to do something to make a motion. He said, I didn't know if I should remove the kid's hat from his head or remove his head from his shoulders. Because he knew not to wear that in that sanctuary. But yet he was being hit. He's been hit like Brother Gerald was today with the earrings. He just wanted to be in with the fed. Things going on to be hip a little bit. But I, I never forgot that, that it irritated Brother Gene that much. See, it didn't me, but it did him. Because I was, I was working at, you know, I worked with youth council. I was working with boys at that time. Some of them did wear earrings. So it really didn't bother me. Now, it bothered me that he had a hat on the sanctuary, of course. Uh, but it really bothered Brother Gene a lot. As a matter of fact, he mentioned that to me afterwards. Uh, you know, he's already pointing to his deacons out there to start. 
hone in on trying to remove that hat. <laughs> but don't you hate it when you tell somebody the God's gospel truth of God and then they don't believe you? Don't you just hate it when you tell somebody what you know is the truth, they don't listen to you. It really stirs you up inside. So how do you think God feels when every day folks are confronted with the inerrant word of God right in front of them? In America, you have no excuse for not being a Christian. Americans have been preached to in every slum, street corner, building, evacuated slum area. The gospel has gone all through America, folks, for years and years. And yet they say, I don't believe it. Never will. Just another story as far as I'm concerned. What can you do to make someone believe God's word? What can we do as Christians to make someone believe God's word? I've already come to the conclusion in my life, everything from body slamming somebody to being on top of them and then reciting John 3, 16, 49 times to them. And that's the boys at the boys' home included. <laughs> Two sitting down with a cup of coffee and just gently talking to them, telling them that God loves them, has a purpose for their life, a plan for their life, and see no change in their eyes or their heart. Being convinced that we're to pray for them and not give up on them, but let God do his work in them. Pray for this, them this prayer. Lord, you do what it takes in the life of this person to bring them to you. Bring your convicting spirit to them. Use me as your vessel to witness to them. But let me get out of the way and let you do your work. Because some people we help so much that we break them out of a shell before it's time. And we help them and we help them and we help them and we help them. There's a time we must administer tough love to them. And we actually keep that person from coming to Jesus by straying on them in love. See, you must have a time where Jesus said even to Peter, Men, Satan wants you to sift you like wheat. He wants to take your toes and grind them up in a meat grinder and head for your head, your whole body. And I'm almost ready to let him do it. But I pray for you that God would hedge you and rebuke Satan. See, he stood in the gap and prayed for him. So first thing we want to do is pray. Intercessory prayer. God, do what it takes to bring the, the Holy Spirit. Come to that person, persuade them that they are a sinner. They need a Savior. And that work, use me in any way you can as your vessel to reach them and use my brethren around me. Sometimes I may not be able to minister to someone Dennis can. See, sometimes they don't want a preacher to come to them, but they don't mind a person from the ladies' ministry or a yoke fella or someone that works with them. They bring outsider in. Sometimes they open up to somebody they won't open up to, their parents, but they open up to somebody on the outside. Most of, most of the youth that I had pastored and uh, preached to during my three years of working with Spencer Home for Boys, with a juvenile delinquent boys' home. Most of those boys told me things they never told their parents, never. But I sit down and pray with them, and they just open up their hearts. Some of them have been molested when they was real young, as young as two years old, and, and they've been just neglected. They've been burnt with cigars and cigarettes. They've been, they've been beaten for hours at a time. Beat with some things you would never beat a kid. Think about beating a human being with a baseball bat with nails in it, boards with nails in it. I've heard all kinds of these stories locked in the basements of homes, locked in a room. But all these things will come out there and they never would tell any of their kinfolks about it. They didn't want to make waves, see. When you tell one of your uncles and dad's going to get upset, he's going to beat you harder, see. But, but all these things came from 
me to sit down with him and say, look, I'm a person. Don't, don't know your family from Adam, but I'm a person who cares. And I don't know what you've been through. I ain't going to tell you that because that, is, that would be lying right off the bat. I know how you feel. I don't know how they feel. I've never been whipped hard enough in my life. Okay. <laughs> At times I thought I was, but I, I wasn't. See, I count, count it all joy for every whipping I ever had. See, now I do. Then I didn't, but now I do. But my mom and dad and my grandpa and grandma whipped me the right way. Okay. They didn't beat me with a barber strap across my face. They used them the right way, the right hem of the Lord. Okay. But these things, they would open up to me, someone outside. They hard, very, a lot of them very, a lot of them didn't even know me because they were first coming into the home. And, that, and in the home, we keep them for three years, four years max. But some of them that just came in there, but they were wanting to tell somebody the trauma they had been through. They wanted to get that out of their body, their system, and tell somebody, I have been, I have been abused. I want somebody to know that. I'm crying out for vindicators, see? I'm crying out for somebody listening to me and will believe me what I'm saying. And, of course, we would believe him. Because, man, when a kid's sitting there, and he's showing you the bruises he has and the burns he has, and he's, he's pouring his heart out, and he's crying tears that fills his T-shirt up, you're going to believe him. And, and 90% of those stories were true. See? Now, now, the cries that came out from them were cries of someone to stand the gap for them, to help them, be a mediator. And so, and so actually, the... The uh, owner of the home had to do some mediation. He had to be the only one. Sometimes he had to file charges. Sometimes he had to investigate. Sometimes he had to put petitions out from the judge, from the court system, to keep that kid away from that situation for at least three years. Keep him out of that situation altogether. Maybe find foster parents for him. But it was a constant reverberation of somebody crying out for help to believe in their story. And as I worked with these boys, I've seen this pattern this pattern of they've lied to people, they've sold and they cheat to survive on the streets, a lot of them. But then when it comes time for them to trust someone, nobody believing it. Well, nobody believed him a lot because they've heard that same old story over and over and over. See? But God gives us as Christians, and especially counselors, a special tool that he has. It's called discernment of the spirit. And I, I can sit down and hold hands with somebody and pray for them. I can tell if they're troubled in their soul. I can tell if they're troubled in their spirit. Because I have the gift of counseling. And so I can sit down with someone and talk to them and feel the trauma and travail in their spirit. And tell me, I can tell if they're telling the truth or not, in other words. They have no travail in their spirit. They're lying. <laughs> if, they, if they had trauma in their life, such as molestation or being beat like that, they're gonna, they're gonna, their spirit's going to be vexed. Their spirit's going to be in turmoil. And you can feel it in their, you can feel it in their tearing when they tremble and their body actually trembles when they tell the story, have to recount the story. And that today I want to let you know as Christians, it doesn't take any certain person specially designed for that. If you have the gift of hospitality, you have the gift of counseling, you have the gifts of helps. All three of those gifts God has given, administration even. Those gifts he gives are to help people. Now, I may go to someone, I got to say, I may have a gift of helps, hospitality. Dennis may have a gift of counseling. And some of you may have the gifts of administration. And these gifts mean that certain people, certain times will come to you that wouldn't come to me. 
They feel, they feel bond because you have a gift of hospitality. People come to Bonnie before they will me. Because I'm a big guy and I'm aggressive and I talk loud. Sometimes they want someone with a soft spirit, a loving spirit. They'll go to Bonnie and talk with Bonnie. Because see, the preacher's going to line you out right. That's built in my system. Because I cannot talk with you out telling you what you need to do. Because that's God. I mean, that's God working through me. What you need to do, if I was you, my friend, I would do this, 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 four things right there. Say, but Bonnie, I have a softer spirit where she can talk to him and counsel with him. You people that are on the jobs, you have a, can, that work closer to people can counsel with them. Because, you know, you know, first, first thing you hear when they say, well, uh, preacher wants you to marry us. I say, why don't you come in for counseling? Oh, I don't want to come lie to you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> And I say, you won't. <laughs> if you do, I'll know it. <laughs> but they say, I don't want to come lie to you because they think the preacher's just automatically going to, you know, get that hatchet out of the closet and go to shopping. So all these things you have to drop. But that's in our system. See, we're preachers. And I am a counselor, but I'm also a preacher of the Word of God. And I've been called to preach. That's the main thing, folks, to preach the Word of God. But we're all gifted with talents, all of us as Christians. So today, turn your word in your Bible. I was just a front porch saying there. Turn the word of God today. We're going to be in John in chapter 12. And this is wonderful. I might even get through it all today. I may have a Holy Ghost spell right here. But don't you just hate it when people just do not believe what you tell them, even though it's the truth. You try and try and try to tell them to save them hardship, and they still do not believe it. Believe you or the story. And so John 12 today has a special message for us. I'm going to start down with verse 35. The God's word says, Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whether he goeth. Listen to the words of God. What is God's word? A lamp to our feet and a light to our path, right? If you got God's word, we'd never leave your house without God's word. I keep God's word in my truck. I keep God's word in my boat. I keep God's word in my tackle box. I keep God's word always running through my brain. See, because that's a lot. If I, if I lose track of God's word, how can I witness to somebody? Keep God's word with you. Keep, keep the word of God with you always. In your purse, anywhere you go. Small Bible, pamphlet, but keep God's word with you. Because God's word is your light. And that light pierces the darkest corners of the earth, okay? No matter how dark the place is, you walk in there, it lights up. While ye have light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. Now, who else is a light? Believe in the light. What does it say? Believe in the light. Believe in Jesus Christ. He's the light of the world. He is our power source, folks. He's the one who enters our body to give us a power source. We are dead clamshells when we come to God. And God takes that old dirty, rotten scoundrel of a soul out of our system, that, that emptiness, that darkness, that void, darkness, that sinful nature, and he removes it. And he puts us in there. Jesus Christ, the light of the world. We become like a pearly gate of heaven. We shine everywhere we go. And when we don't think we're shining, we're still shining. Say. We're shining everywhere we go because we have the light of God, the power of God. These things spake Jesus and departed and did hid himself from them. So Jesus was disgusted with these people because they were Jewish people. In verse 36, he said he hid himself from them because 
they were in unbelief. They didn't believe what he said. He was the son of God. And the son of God is telling them who he is. They're not believing. But some of them did believe. And it says right here, but though he had done so many miracles before them, yet believed them not on him because of that of Isaiah, the prophet might be fulfilled. Now you look in your Bible, does your Bible say Isaiah? Where it says E-S-A-I-A-S. You know what that is? People say, that's a different person. That is not a different person. <laughs> that is Isaiah the prophet. See, prophets then, when they met the New Testament, they went by the Hebrew and their Jewish names. Isaiah spelled in, the, in Hebrew as Isaiah. Spelled in the Jewish form as Isaiah. Same person. That's why you say Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Later on, they have different names. The Hebrew one's Hebrew, one's Jewish. Same person. Say, so same person. Isaiah, the prophet. But he fulfilled which he spake of, Lord, who hath believed our report? And to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they cannot believe, because Isaiah said again, He hath blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted and should heal them. Now why would he do that? Why would God do that to somebody? Why would God harden somebody's heart? Why would God harden Pharaoh's heart? Why wouldn't he, God want him to be saved and bless the Jewish people and have them all stay with him in one big giant family? Why did he do that? Because God was ready to move his power. And God was ready to move among his people. And God said when he does this, because they're already hard-hearted already, thick-skulled, hard-headed people, stiff-necked, okay? We're not listening to him. And God said, because of this, I'm just going to turn you over to your rather old nature. Your rather old nature, which is carnal. Your rather old nature, nature which is debased. You can't even think right. can't even make decisions. I'm just going to turn you right over to that old nature. I'm going to let your minds be hardened by the law. See? Because you know the law so well, but you don't live by the law. Okay? <laughs> he said, I'm going to bring some more people in here called the Gentiles. They're going to be my family, the Gentiles. The light has come to us. Because the Jewish people rejected it. Now, see, some believe. When they've seen this, some believed on him, which is great. Because they're the, they're the power warriors, okay? The ones who walk and talk the word of God. But God did not strike them with some disease that hardened their heart. He just let them be the regular people they were without God. See? These things said Isaiah when he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers, also many believed on him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him. Lest they should be put out of the synagogue. Oh, no. You know, Brother Bill, he may not like this. If I do this, man, he, he stays in that seat every Sunday. And he's going to be awfully mad if I do this. I, I believe in him and not the laws of God. And I believe in this new guy called Jesus. He's going to be awfully upset. He's probably going to give my seat to somebody else. He's probably going to take away my kolache from the donut collection and do away with my parking spot out there that I've had for 27 years. See? Many believed on him but did not confess him. Now, what is salvation, folks, and confession? Thou confess with thy mouth Jesus Christ is Lord, thou shalt be saved. A lot of people believe in him. Hey, devil believes in Jesus. He's known him longer than you must have. But to confess him means you make him Lord of your life. I confess you are, thou art the son of the living God. And I place my trust in you for salvation. To not just believe in him, 
confess him as Lord. See, with confession, the mouth is made into what? Salvation. See, so folks were worried about, they got to be men pleasers, not God pleasers. That's a problem already. For they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. We all like to be praised. A little praise goes a long way, folks. But it said they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. How many people have that like that today? Not only do they like the praise of men, they praise men more than they praise God. See, it works both ways. The pendulum swings both ways, and both of us wrong. They love to hear men's praise. If you don't think they like to hear praise, watch one of these politicians. When they finally stopped doing all that cursing and slandering, telling how many people they slept with before they were 15, and how many people they slept with since they've been in politics, and all these different things, that, how much money they took and earned the table, and then they say one good thing about them, that guy will be over there. I'm a good man. <laughs> I'm like a god. <laughs> they love the praise of men. The praise of men is all you're going to get, folks. If you like praise of men, better enjoy it because it's all you're going to get here. Because God, hey, the blessing of God, and hear God say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. It's worth any praise of the president, United States, or any praise from any bishop or chancellor or a million people saying at one time. To hear his, his voice say, enter in, thou good and faithful servant. That is what we want to hear. We work for the praise of God, not to please men. That's the problem we got into in the first place. United States of America trying to please other countries, be big brother to everybody, and help them get out of their situations, and they still jack the price all up on the five dollars a gallon. See? That's what we got into being they want to hear the praise of men. Hey, Big Brother America has really pulled us out of this one. You know, they give us fifteen quadrillion dollars. We're not gonna pay them back a penny, no. I mean that's they can do it. See, that's the praise of men, folks. We can't do anything in this country except for what God lets us do. No matter how powerful people we are, the man of Venezuela, he can't produce any all unless God lets him do it. God controls it all. It's all God's, folks. And God can claim that back anytime he wants. We've seen that with the storm. God can claim back places that people thought were theirs. Well, I always lived here. My great-grandpa lived here, and he built this house, and it's always been here. We used to catch a bus right here at this little spot, and I couldn't imagine leaving this. I knew 22-foot waves were coming, but I couldn't imagine. And they told me I was probably going to die. And uh, I did kind of get my lungs full of sand when the waves come in and washed me out of my house. But we always were here, and we weren't going to leave. Just couldn't quite believe that, lady, did she? Why don't people believe us when we're telling the truth? A man standing there, the guy's telling me, tonight, oh, we're going to ride the storm out. We always have. This is a different kind of storm, fella. 22-foot waves are going to be right here where you're standing tonight. Oh, we've always, our house, my, I got my house on still that's three feet off the ground. <laughs> three foot, wow, bless you. Three foot off the ground, huh? We're going to have 20 foot of water in your house then. <laughs> it's going to be gone, folks. And it was next day, but it was gone. It was slick mud. Crystal Beach was no more. Wiped out. Bolivar, no more, wiped out. These people, and these people don't tell them where they're at. They probably still ain't found some of them floating down the creek. But why don't people believe you when you're telling them the truth? Exactly the same reason why. Their eyes have been blinded. And they love the praise of men more than God. They don't listen to God. They have no heart for God to listen to God. So we have to pray conviction in their heart. Not God loves you as you are. Just, just come to him as you are and just have a relationship with him 
and having a free and getting the aurora of God's beautiful spirit and being involved in that. He just loves you. He made you to be just like you are, this sinful nature and everything. Just come to him and just jump in his lap and say, hi, daddy, I'm home. Nothing about repentance. Nothing about you are a scoundrel. You are a, a, a sorry rascal. You need to repent and ask God to cleanse you from all your righteousness. You can't cleanse yourself. You can't get cleaned up enough to come to God. You cannot get cleaned up enough to come to him. You come as you are, you don't come at all. But God said, I'll take you where you're at. And even though your sins may be a scar, I'll make them white as snow. I'll cleanse your heart. And I'll give you a place, a new person in you, a new man. And that new man is Christ Jesus. He will live in you. And the new man that you put on will be clothed and bathed in him. And it don't mean we're going to sin anymore. What it means, we're forgiven, folks. We're forgiven. And we have this side of rock to anchor our soul in. Jesus told them, they love the praise of men, born the praise of God. And this is a terrible sin because God said, thou shalt have no other gods before me. They just placed men as a God. They just fell into adultery and lust because of the praise of men. So now God ain't going to bless them anyway. See, Jesus told them, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I always wanted to take you as a mother. He would take her chicks under her wings and hug them up and love them. But you will not come to me as little chicks. You think you know it already and you don't believe who I am. But he said, you will believe me when this place right here is beautiful. Synagogue will be tore down, destroyed. No brick laid after another one. It's completely leveled out. In 70 years, folks, that happened. 70 years from Jesus' death, the place was destroyed, leveled out to the ground. Jesus cried out and said, he that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. And that's God the Father. You believe on God the Father, you believe in the Son, you believe in the Holy Spirit. And he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. Everybody always asks me, I always give them this verse. And they say, I wonder what God looks like. You know, he's spirit, but he made us in his, in his image. So what does he look like? I said, man, just read that verse of scripture right there. He looks like Jesus. Jesus is God. And so if you have any problem with it, he looks just like that. He don't look like Jeffrey Hunter, blonde hair, blue eyes, Hollywood. He has, he has what he looked like when he was growing up. He has Aramic features. Dark skin, probably dark brown eyes, probably dark hair. He had no look to him that would make somebody appeal him or want him. He looked just like the rest of all the carpenters in Jerusalem. Joseph's son. But when he looked at you, you seen the eyes of compassion. So he didn't look, Jesus didn't look at you, Jesus looked through you. When he looked at you, and people seen the difference then because he looked through them. He, in other words, he, it's like the lady said at the well, he told me everything I ever did. He knew me. He looked through me. My eyes he looked in my deceit. And he looked in my cover. And he seen my heart. He seen my heart when he seen my eyes. And he said he pierced my soul. And that's the kind of difference Jesus had. That's the power of the Holy Spirit, folks, living in him and being a part of it. It can actually pierce your soul when you talk to him. He had the power of God. I am come a light into the world. And whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. If any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. But he that rejected me and receiveth not my words hath one that shall judge him, the word of God. And I have spoken the same shall judge him in the last day. So folks say, you can't judge me. I say, I do not judge you. I, God's word has already judged you. 
God's word tell you right where you're at and where you need to be at the same time. For I've not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me. He gave me a commandment. What should I say and what should I speak? And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto him, so I speak. Jesus said that this commandment was given him to life everlasting. And what's the last commandment he gave us? People's going to know you by because what? You have love for one another. The last commandment he gave us is to love one another. We're to love God. We're to love Jesus. We're to love our neighbor. And guess what? You're really supposed to love yourself. But see, yourself comes way down that list. <laughs> that concentric circle of concern there. You get that big old, get that bullseye, get down that bullseye, and there's Christ Jesus. Boom. Love Christ more than anything. And as that circle comes out, see, you got your, your loved ones, your mom and dad, your kids, everybody you love in that circle, family circle. You come outside and you see your friends and neighbors, and the circle gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then you see the insurance adjuster right here in the IRS, way out here on the outside of that circle. <laughs> so that, the center of that circle, things you enjoy and you love, is in that center. And, that, and God should be in the center of that circle. And his son Christ is. If it's not, we don't have power. If you place yourself there, it means you're selfish. And God will not work through selfishness. Because he said, I must be first place in your life. First place. Then everything else comes after that. And everything else really does a lot better when you place God first. I try to place things in my own power. And, I, and I've seen to mess up more than I do good, you know. I'll mess up three things. I have to, I'll place God first, and everything else kind of just kind of flows smooth, you know. Comes out better every time. Turn out real good. See? So I've fought and wrestled this. Jesus tells us not to let things in this world trouble us in anxiety. And he tells us these things. Don't let things in the world going on around you, even trees falling through your house. Don't let those things trouble your heart. And they do, because he knows. And he said that knowing they're going to trouble our heart. What he's saying is, Take my yoke. Don't deal with it in your own power. Take my yoke. My yoke is easy. In other words, I'll handle it for you, okay? And he'll handle it. That's why we're to pray for one another. When we know we have hardships, Jesus takes that power that he has and works a thousand times better than we ever thought we could. So we hand that to him and say, Lord, I'm just a vessel. I'm your servant. I'm handing these things over to you because I can't really handle them right now. There's too many things coming in. Right now that I, that I have to take care of, and I can't just say, hey, cast all your care upon me, because I care for you. And I know what's best for you, so you let me, you just hand me everything, let me filter it all out. And I guarantee you, 90% of that stuff will be right in the garbage. Don't even worry about it. It's hard to take care of. And it just, I'll go with you through the rest. But see, it's coming to him, and these people that do not, that really bother us, that don't believe, just keep praying for them, keep ministering to them. Some of them I've had a ministry for 20 years. And finally, here they set the Lord Jesus in their heart. The prison ministry was one of the hardest things, probably the best thing I went through and the hardest preaching I ever preached. Because I would preach and preach and preach that ministry for 10 years. And to the same guys for 10 years. And see, a lot of them, it took 10 years for God to just pound that heavy ice cube off their heart. And some of them hearts were filled with leather. It had to be cut away and pounded away like hardened stone. But it took that long. But to see them finally come and receive Jesus was worth all that ministry. All those days I come up there after work, preach to them, and just said, Lord, just take that dude out. Man, he's about worthless, you know. 
and uh, just kill him in his cell sometime. You know? <laughs> and the Lord said, you got a bad attitude about it, you know. So he's out here bragging about things he's going to do. And, and he's talking about throwing his Bible in a dumpster when he leaves. And, you know, you just to take him on out. Now let's keep preaching to him, you know. And after 10 years saying, come the Lord, finally repent and let go of all that rage. That's a blessing, folks. That is a blessing. And see, God at work. Now I could take him in a room and I could beat him to death. And he would still want to set the Lord Jesus. That's why I'm saying it's not in my hands. It was in the Lord Jesus' hands the whole time. He's just using me as a vessel to bring the gospel, bring that special message to them over and over and over again. So he's telling me the same thing when these people do not believe. Oh, yeah, there's many ways to reach God. That's not the only one. You can come through all different ways and be in sweet karma with God through all. Even there's people in space that even know, you know. Okay. No, sir, let me adjust your attitude a little bit. <laughs> you want, you know, the first thing is want to get in their face and do the, the Baptist thing, you know. I'm a Bible something believer says right here. <laughs> Just be patient with them. And God says, hey. You've already planted a seed, and I promise my word does not come back void. See, somehow you got out of the understanding that my word just dropped off of them. It didn't. My word's convicting them when they go to sleep. When they get up, my word's still convicting them. You know, your mouth is shut up. You're in bed snoring. My word's still convicting their heart. They're not even getting a good night's sleep, folks. Because that word is pounding on them. And they, they got that, that man that accepted the Lord Jesus when I was doing the prison ministry. He told me, he said, I never, he said, I've hated your voice ever since you've come here. I've hated your voice. You have the raspiest, roughest voice, and it's monotonous. He said, you never, he said, you never cut anybody no slack. You're just telling me, this is, and as I hated that, I hated it, I hated it every time. I just used to scrunch and want to put my fingers in my ears. He said, but now, he said, today when you preach, you say, I love, I love your voice. I love you. I love everything, man. So you just became my pastor, you know. And I said, you know all that? All that was the Holy Spirit of God. I said, what do you mean? It's the Holy Spirit of God just preaching to his heart. You must be born again. That's basically what it was. You must be born again. You must be born again. You must be born again. Over and over and over. Like waves crashing on the seashore. You must be born again. Enter the kingdom of heaven. It's God's word, folks. It's simple. It's basic. Nuclear physicist and a kindergarten person in kindergarten can know the same truth. Say, it's that vast and that expensive, but yet that simple. You must be born again. That's what God wants us to, to take that message to people and let them know we don't have to stuff it down their throat. But sincerely and with patience, like in everything else, minister to them. I've seen more people minister to during this storm than I ever have. It was like when Katrina hit, folks were more... It's like more folks were busy waiting for folks who were lauding, hauling stuff off. And, you know, I've seen more people actually help people in this storm. I mean, sharing generators and stuff, you know, with people. They get through their, their power comes out, they send a generator to somebody else, and they're, they're sharing food, and they're sharing their showers, and just everything, their whole households with people. And so, hey, God pulls us together, and we're the best folks we can be in tragedy. See, in good times, we're just kind of mail out, but... When tragedy strikes, that's when we do our best work as Christians. That's when Jesus did his best work, right? Even death. When people die, he does his best work. So he's saying, hey, you're to shine in the darkness because you're a light to the world because I am a light of the world. And Jesus lives through me. You're a light to the world because Jesus lives through you. Let that light shine. 
You don't put it under a basket. Let it shine. No matter what you're up against. And God will work these things through. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you today, Lord, for this message. And it has blessed my heart, Father, today. To know that you would pick a small group of people, Father. To carry out your gospel to all the ends of the earth, Father. Just, it just boggles my mind, Father. I can't even imagine that. When Jesus called those disciples together. And sent them out, Father, to minister to the whole world. But Father, thank you for them today and the message that they left behind, this legacy for us to take that torch now, Father, and run with that torch to light up this world for Jesus Christ. So I thank you for the challenge you've given us, Father, to let our light shine. Even in those days we're waiting for power to be restored. Even though we're waiting for the uh, things that we're used to, Father, to come back in effect, to get the trees out of the yard and off the house and get things into a normal fashion again. While we wait, Father, we'll still trust in you. And say so our strength comes in the name of the Lord of hosts. You, Father, Jehovah Rapha, our healer, and Jehovah Nisi, our provider. So we thank you, Father, for providing for us, for comforting us during this time, for making us better Christians, Father. Let's take these words we've learned today out into the streets, byways and highways, Father, in the supermarkets, wherever we go, and to spread the word that Jesus does save. And Jesus is concerned about people's fears and about their anxiety. And the caster cares upon him. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.